Good evening, everyone. Thank you all so very much for joining us for another edition of Trekkers Delight. Today, we are going to be recapping Discovery's Species 10C. Um, before we get started, can we ask William and Danger to introduce themselves? William, well, yeah, William and William. My name is William Wofford. I hail from Little Rock. I'm 28 and I'm a hardcore Trekkie and I'm very excited to talk about Species 10C today. Excellent. Danger. Hey, I'm William Danger Newman. I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, long time Trekkie. Too long when I think about it. <laughs> uh, looking forward to talking about Species 10C. Too long is never too long. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> All right, let's get started with our intro and then we'll be right back to do a brief summary. Okay. <laughs> and get enough of that music. With right? us, uh, joining us is Marie. Marie, we've introduced ourselves um, to everyone. Can you introduce yourself real quick? Hi, I'm Marie, um, and apparently late, so there's that. Um, but I do um, the Unimetrics 47 blog on Star Trek for Game Industry News. So. All right. All right. So um, the past couple of episodes, I've been pre-recording um, my summary, but work just had me today. And so I'm just going to rush through this summary as fast as I possibly can. I'm just going to rush through it, y'all. Just bear with right. me. All right. So <laughs> Discovery has arrived at the DMA. The opening moments of the episode reminds us of how large the DMA is and that uh, attempts and communication have been unsuccessful. Burnham and Rillick decide time is of the essence, so they employ their contingency plan of emotional communications. Federation delegates have decided to use the chemical form of the emotion for peace, which will be uploaded into a fleet of dots and then applied to the hyperfield's surface. Zora expresses worry over a feeling she can't qualify and shares those concerns with Stamets and Adira. They agree to connect with Dr. Colbert to address her concerns. Back on Book's ship, Commander Reno devises a plan to communicate with Discovery by use of those old nasty black licorice sticks. Uh, Discovery launches the dots and finally, in a callback to Stargate SG-1, the dots and Discovery are sucked up and brought into the Hyperfield's orb. 
Um, Tarko, once inside the orb, finds the DMA's power source on the far side of the hyperfield in a silicon alanium alloy. Tarko believes that once they are in contact, they will be able to retrieve the power source. Book notices Tarka handling a in, heading in a direction of his ship that he doesn't like and quickly confronts Tarka and redirects him to find a way to get them out of the orb. Reno sees something important and redoubles her task at getting her communicator to work. On Discovery, scanners read hundreds of life signs and the ship is being scanned, but systems can't be restored. Tarina openly pushes back on Taru's speculation that Species 10C is attempting to understand Federation technology. Dr. Harai suggests they are most likely waiting for a stated purpose, but they need to give Species 10C a gift of something they would want to build trust around. Reno decides to work on Book by assailing Tarka's character. Book lets her know that for Tarka, this is about getting back to someone he lost. Book respects it because of how Tarka is honoring his promises. Ndoye attempts to connect to Burnham's military side by saying she has to know when she has met a brick wall and give up and do what is necessary. Burnham's classy response was, as captain, my experience has taught me otherwise. General, we haven't hit it yet. Rillick sees and hears the exchange and mm, a slight smile plays across her face. Species 10C responds to their gift by showing repeated lights expressing six different emotions. Tarka needs Discovery's nacelles to ignite plasma to allow Book's ship to burn a hole through the hyperfield with Ndoye's help. Zora responds to the message by replicating the lights, but this gets them nowhere. They are a level two of a, I almost said Kardashian scale, yeah, uh-huh. Kardashev scale. They are too advanced for the Federation. Burnham artists Christopher Detmer and Nilsson to the cargo bay. Christopher postulates that the emotions could be a language similar to music, meaning the molecules are each a message in and of themselves. Detmer surmises the lights are similar to lights in space that help pilots navigate. Reno informs Book that if Tarka pulls the power source while the DMA is running, the hyperfield will implode and he will kill them, Discovery and Earth in the process. Reno then says, you need to make this right. Personally, Saru wonders why Tarina admonishes him. Burnham told him how often Sarek did this in public. It's typical for Burnham, for Vulcans to do this to those they care for. Book confronts Tarka, but he has prepared for Book's reaction. Discovery has started to communicate with Species 10C. They send a ship and Rillick, Burnham, Saru, Tarina all go on board. Tarka admits Book was one of his real friends in life. Burnham needs to talk to Saru. Saru shows her a simple technique of yelling. They both yell out their frustrations to each other, which leads to a tender moment between the two. In yet another way, Tarina announces her closeness with Saru. The party of four vanishes from the cargo bay onto a replica of Discovery's bridge. They see an unarmed, isolated weapon along with molecules and lights on the view screen. They realize 10C is curious about the weapon. They now know 10C may not know of the damage they are causing. Before they can offer a response, Tarka burns a hole in the hyperfill 
And this alerts 10C, sending the four back to the cargo bay. Whew. That's it. All right. <laughs> I see all right. Michael's face. All right. Question for you all. Quick question. Well, first, just to let you all know, for me, um, this particular episode was a whole lot about trust. Just for me. It was a whole lot about trust. Um, and so as I, as I thought about this, my first question is, is, why does Book respond to Tarka in, in the way that he does um, by second guessing his, his choices? On which part do we apply the question? So on his ship, when when Tarka was about to do something, about to move to a different part of, of the ship and Book stops him and he says, no, what are you doing? I need you to work on getting us out of the orb. Oh, right. Yeah, because he's suspecting that he's up to something, I think. Because Book's think not a he's... moron. Yeah. Is, is right. really where I'm going to go with that. Um you know, bad computer security, notwithstanding danger. <laughs> uh, but he's not a moron. Like, Tarka's already shown himself to be, like, while he has what Book apparently considers decent motives, he's shown himself to be untrustworthy when he's given free reign. And, you know, you know what they say, once bit, twice shy, right? Yeah. Well, and I think hadn't Hadn't Reno started working on him a little bit by then, too? No, not at this point. Well, maybe not. No, that was a little bit before that, wasn't it? I mean, Tarka has been getting... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think that there's also just kind of a power dynamic on Book's ship. And so I think that that is kind of... um, He he may realize a little bit that uh, Tarka is getting too comfortable um, and too cozy on his ship that he's in control of. And so I think at that moment, it wasn't it wasn't so much uh, an immediate of, I distrust you. I think he's still in that time. It feels that he, they have a shared goal, but I think he realized when they were at the casino um, that Tarka has a strong propensity to kind of take control of situations. And I think he kind of felt that captain instinct in him and said, this is my ship. I need you to slow your roll a little bit and was taking a step, a step back to kind of assert himself as the dominant one in the in the in that ship and in that space, mm-hmm. I think that was part of it. Um, versus, and I do think that there is kind of a hesitancy, but I don't think it's directly correlated to a mistrust or a perception of him um, deceiving him. I think it's more so like, I know you have a propensity to try and run stuff around here, and I'm not putting up with that. This is my ship. I'm. Still- <laughs> yep. Fair point. William? Honestly, um, we it, it had it had been evident for the last couple of episodes that Tarka was beginning to get on books nerves anyway. <laughs> like it, it it had been growing, and I like that it had been growing. With or with, I mean, the only thing Reno did was provide information about the calculations and all the, the, the explosion stuff that Tark was making that, that he wasn't revealing. That was, that was literally the line that that book was like, okay, 
well, okay, that was just information. But as far as like an emotional, my horse is bigger than your horse, my ship, my command, that had been growing for like the last three episodes. And so we were going to come to this point anyway. So it's actually good that, so, and, and really Reno didn't have to talk book into anything. It was mainly about providing information. He's like, you, and, and you, and the way, why I like Reno, I love Reno so much. He's just like, look, it, look, we probably we don't know these people. We don't know Tennessee. We probably gonna die anyway. So I don't care. I'm just letting you know that. And if you don't believe me, you can ask him, which he did. <laughs> and and I like that they didn't even he didn't they didn't even bother showing the scene of them of the initial confrontation. We just cut right to it. I, I was right. like, oh, okay, okay, cool. Skip over. I love it. I love how Reno told him, you don't have to worry about the math that he shows you. Just look at his face when you Just ask look him. look at his face. Right? Because it's, like, it's like, what math in Hollywood are they going to come up with to show us? To, I'm like, like, the hell we go, understand it? But I'm Manny he equals cry. MC Kaboom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, will, will, will it go boom, I need boom, that boom, on boom. a shirt. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I need that on a shirt. Oh, God, I can't wait till we have a clothing line. But yeah, those are my thoughts on it. It had been developing for a while. That that little calculation that we never really got to understand, or we saw it, but we didn't really get to understand, was literally the needle in the balloon. To be fair, though, I mean, can you imagine spending that much time in close quarters with that man and not being irritated with him? (laughs) I'm trying to figure out what's Tarka's definition of a friend. (laughs) I mean, at, at, at this point, why. anyone who can tolerate him for more than like yeah. 48 hours, I think. I understand why. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, his first friend was a little bit too close. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I don't know what he thought he was going to get on the book about. <laughs> just saying. I'm just saying. Well. So can I say one thing that I love that they did in this episode with, uh, with Reno and in this scene saying in this, mm-hmm. I love when they tied her back and they, they you know, Reno has never, um, across the two seasons, has never really had a firm tie-in to, like, purpose, for lack of a better word. Like, she's been kind of comic relief. She has been kind of, sorry, my dog is trying to get in from the back door. Um, <laughs> um, and so she's really just kind of had, uh, she's, she's just kind of been floating in there and they've used her to stitch in and pull together certain components. But I feel like they really humanized her in this scene where she was talking to Book. And I love that. I for, Like, I was kind of like trying to jot notes and I was writing a note getting ready for this. And I stopped when she started talking about being on the ayahuasca. And I was like, you know, this is this is really the first time that we really hear that she is has this deep emotion, has this deep passion. Like they've dropped things before. Um, I remember she had a scene where she was talking to um, uh, Wilson Cruz. I can't remember uh, his name. Is it coming to me right this minute? But was talking to him. Oh, yes. And but it, I think this was really just really just truly truly humanizing her in that moment. And I felt connected to her like as a as an actual character of the show in that moment. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, I think that's not. I think that's not entirely fair. Um, because we do have a wonderful moment earlier in the season, or like earlier in last season, um, where she talks to Stamets about what it was like to lose her wife. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think you can you can make an argument there that like that sequence is in service to the greater story involving Stamets. But you know, I think we've been seeing little bits and pieces mm-hmm. um, of what they can do with Jet Reno. The problem, of course, being that Tignataro is just super busy. So they can't really write her into much because they don't know when she's going to be there. So, so, so it's it's so interesting that Michael takes us to to that particular moment. So when when Reno is talking the book and she's basically she's talking about Tarka, like like really assailing his character. Um, and again, as we consider the concept of trust, for some reason we've lost Michael. Um, <laughs> <laughs> My money's on the letting his dog He's in. Gotta go rest oh, he's there. He's okay. there. Okay. Okay. He's there. All right. So, yeah. so as we consider trust, um, what is book communicating to Reno as as the two of them are going back and forth, and then what does Reno communicate to book in response? Are we talking well, think- like literally or metaphorically? So, w- w- metaphor. So, for instance, um, what's happening is. Book is letting her know about about Tarka, you, you know, like like why is he there for for Tarka, and he, so he explains, you know, Tar- Tarka is doing this because of a, a lost love, and then Reno comes back and basically says, hmm, yeah, but you're likely doing this because of something else, and it's not because of of Tarka. It's because of you. Trying to fill a void that he can't fill. I think I think Tarka, even from the meeting, the Federation meeting, where they voted on diplomacy, it was really clear that Tarka is very good at exploiting emotion, um, mostly probably because he has none. Mm-hmm. And I think that his exploitation of Book's emotion uh, gave him, emboldened him to continue and let him know that he wasn't alone. Um, and so I think that in that moment, Tig was essentially trying to say, to your point, like, because you are giving him this, um, he's been able to manipulate your emotions as justification, you're validating his actions in some way, shape, or form. I think that that moment really is kind of him putting into perspective that while Tarka is the brains behind this operation, um, he's he may not realize that he's actually giving the lever of power or giving the giving the check that uh, he Tarka needs in order to move forward. And I don't think I don't think he's he realized that until that. Mo- well, I don't think I still don't think he's really realized it as a character. Um, but I think. I think that's what he's kind of thinking in that moment, and that's what she's trying to convey to him. Right. I agree with a whole lot of what you just said, really but I, through. but I really do. I, I think that that Tarka is really acting, responding on one hundred percent emotions. I think he's just doing it in such a way where he's he's putting a whole lot of other people's emotions on the back burner, and he's really riding his own personal emotions. That's just really. How I feel. I think he's a narcissist, and I, right. So like every everybody else's emotions don't matter, and that's one of the reasons he's really great at manipulating book, right? Because because book's a tool, book's not a person, um, and even this whole business about what. And I really, I really don't trust <laughs> Tarka's 
Tarkin's declaration that books a friend. And I'm not ever going to trust that because he, this is a man who is manipulating book to well, do, and, into doing and, what he wants. And he also doesn't not only value other people's emotions, but he doesn't value other people's lives. No, not at all. It's all about Tarka 100% of the time. Um, I think what I think what Jet is actually forcing Book to do is to realize that he hasn't actually thought this all the way through, right? Um, I think she's she's saying, okay, I know you're not a bad dude. <clears throat> I know that you're not generally genocidal, which you know, that's 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 not a high bar, guys. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't right. be a high bar, and yet somehow, uh, and somehow we get Tarka. Um, but I think she, she's like, you need to think through, you need to think this through. Um, you're react, you're reacting a whole lot on your emotions, your, your survivor's guilt. You're also responding to, um, cultural markers that may or may not be valid anymore, but you need to think it through all the way. And we knew he wasn't really thinking it all the way through when he uses the transform example with Burnham. Because his example didn't actually support the argument that he was trying to make. And Book's not, again, you know, Book's not a moron. Like, right. he, he, I mean, he's very conversant with, with what he does and why he does it. He's just not looked at this and pursued it all the way down the rabbit hole. Because he's angry and he's hurt. And he, I, you know, I think he's passively suicidal. Um, if, if that's something that we can say without trigger, like, without a content warning. Um, I've said throughout this whole shebang that Book doesn't want to come home. Like Book Book wants this to be it. Like he's he's like, all right, all the Quajon are gonna go extinct with me. Yeah, I, I, I don't get that impression from him that that he he wants to die in this mission, but I think he's willing to die in this mission is what I get from him. And that if he dies, so be it. He's lost everything anyway. I'm just going to do whatever I can to prevent this thing from destroying anybody else. I would literally, I would, I would, I would buy that. I would, I would, I would love to hold on to that, except for the yeah. fact that he's done, he's done pretty much, he's take, he textbook steps. For example, he gives up grudge, his most important, like he bequeaths a grudge to Burnham, his most important, I hate to say possession because she's not really his possession. She's his queen. But, um, he he relinquishes grudge. Um, well, yeah, but if you're, like, there's if a whole you're... conversation, there's a whole conversation he has with Tarka about how Tarka is going to get the power source and Book is going to blow up, and it's very clear in that conversation that Book doesn't expect to survive. Yeah, I just think, you know, if you're going into a dangerous battle and you don't, you think there's a good chance you may not come back from it because you're determined to do whatever it takes to destroy this thing, even if it means your own death, you're going to give up your own animal, but, or, or, I, you know, a, and, and again, that's fair. That's, to, that's completely fair, them. except that book is creating the terms of this battle, right? This is, this is, yeah. you know, this is not the siege of Kiev. This is, um, I mean, <laughs> this, this is book basically. I see you, William. I see you, William. <laughs> the book is basically. Decide by DMA. William? All right, all right, William. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wanted to finish that. He's gone Hollywood on us. No, no, I didn't mean he's going to judge me. There it is. There it is. I think. All right, danger's right, and Marie's not wrong, and this is why I said. <laughs> 
Okay, uh, I think there's a gray area. Now remember, you're still on thin ice after the Pulaski business, so <laughs> careful how you phrase this. Okay, this is what I think happened, and I'm kind of speaking from personal experience that I've healed from recently. I think that Book was his own character up until Quajon was destroyed, which we can all agree his character completely changed. Like, just, just poof. And I think what happened was that he inherited along the way, and let me complete this thought because it's not going to sound right in the beginning. I think he inherited a savior complex in the beginning, a, more, a type, type of martyrdom, if you will. And along the way, yeah, he does not mind doing good intentions, but he does them out of grief and guilt, believing, and, and not to mention the survivor's guilt that he's inherited along the way, which would contribute to his willingness to sacrifice, which is, I won't say, I mean, you, 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 I mean, you could interpret it as passively suicidal or willing to sacrifice yourself. Either way, the dude's hurt and no. it comes from the same pain. And I think we're looking at the same thing through two different lenses. So that's why I think that we have a type of martyrdom going on. And I, because I, I, I kind of, I, re I resonate with that. I do. Like when you feel like you're not, a good person where you don't just where you feel like you don't deserve to survive a certain situation and all that said and done and then you willingly go out of your way to put yourself in harm's way for someone else now even though the act is good you still feel like that there's a whole hell level of guilt that's the driving force for your willingness to sacrifice yourself, which could be interpreted as being passively suicidal. Right. I mean, he's atoning, he's atoning for surviving, but the real reason he wants to do this, good call, Michael, good call. We should possibly put that in the actual like yeah. description box for this. Right. For sure. um, yeah, no, I took this real dark, guys. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> this is not I mean, no, end. this is a good, good conversation. Like, I'm wide awake um, now. But, yeah. But really what he's what he wants fundamentally is he wants the pain to stop. He he right. because part of the thing he's been wrestling with is how do you go on? How do you survive when you when you have lost so much? How do you face this? And the answer is, I know you have an answer, but I'm gonna get there. Um and the answer is he doesn't know yet. And so the best way to not have to find that answer is to die in a blaze of glory. So you asked you asked earlier, how do you go on, right? Listen to listen to Celine Dion. Just her music in general. <laughs> Y'all know I had to bring it on back. I had to bring it on back. <laughs> By the way, Trekker's Delight does not, in fact, advocate long-term exposure to <laughs> Celine Dion's discography. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, let's take it in another direction. So, um, at, the like, I'm done with you. <laughs> at the beginning of this season, what we saw was we saw um, two, you know, two women who were pitted against each other: um, Captain Michael Burnham and President Rillick. Um, and you know they were they were pitted against each other in tonight's episode. We didn't see that. What we saw was we saw two two leaders acknowledge each other, and they let each other do their thing and appreciate each other in silence. 
Did well, anyone else see that? I am well, so excited about this. I am so, so, so excited because I am very, very done with the trope that ha that says two powerful women automatically have to be at each other's throats. There was that, there was that brief uh, mother-in-law look from uh, Laura Rillick at Burnham when she said, I think it's time to move to the second phase of our communication strategy, our first contact strategy. And she kind of looked down at her and gave her that, you know, disapproving mother-in-law look, I think. Dude, please don't bring that up. Like, I don't need you to trigger me. Like, I have enough trauma with, with regards to my own mother. It, it happened only one time, and the rest of that true, was so true. put it behind them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but even at that, it was just yeah. it, it, all it really was 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 a look. Burnham explained herself, and she was mm -hmm. like, mm, "Yeah, see, they they yeah, matured. They matured. Sure. Well, we I think, I think that, you know, actually, we do know how much time we've been there. we've been watching the evolution of this um, mm -hmm. of this relationship. Um, we go from you know this this very hostile kind of situation where everybody's trying to figure out where they fit in the hierarchy and." Rillick is basically trying to, you know, like they're trying to just figure out where, where all of that fits and how they interact. And um, I think specifically it's going through the galactic barrier where they work it out and they're like, okay, we, we already know that they've sat down and talked to each other and said, Hey, mm -hmm. this is my sphere. This is your sphere. You do you here and I'll do me here. And I probably flipped hands there, but you know, go with it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so they worked that out. And I really love that we end up being able to come in and, you know, talk like people and work through the conflict and come out better for it. Yeah, I, I, I do love what they did there. And I feel like, um, I feel like they've been watching a little bit of FTP because I feel like, <laughs> even though it, it started after this season was written and produced, but... <laughs> I really feel like they really, somebody watched like so many of these shows where they have strong women and they're like women against women. And it was like, yeah, we can set it up and make people feel like there's going to be that dynamic and there's ultimately going to be this villainy. Um, but they actually created and forged um, a bond. And what I'm thinking back to um, like their relationship is Archer and um, the Endorian. Oh my God. Why Shran. Shran, thank you. Apparently names are really not my thing this evening, um, but it's okay. But More I wine, can't... Michael. More wine. <laughs> tequila. Always, always tequila. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Me and the cactus do not get along. We do not. <laughs> but I feel like they really did a good job of taking that exact same kind of feeling and energy and infusing it into the relationship between Rillick and Burnham, where it's like, we're kind of thrust to work together. I don't really trust you, but we are forging this bond that can carry on indefinitely, or in this case, from season to season, or at least until season five in those 10 episodes. Um, and so it's a really, I really love what they did and how they created that dynamic. And I think it kind of, again, puts the, the energy... I really think it rewrites the script because I'm thinking back to shows like other really mainstream shows like Scandal and um, even uh, thinking back to the energy that um, was on set when uh, during Voyager between Janeway and um, 
seven of nine, like uh, their, their actual real life confrontation. Mm. Like, you know, if you're a Trekkie, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But, um, it, it, so I feel like that was kind of like what Hollywood has always played to. And I feel like they did the same thing they did with Archer and Shran and they did it with women. And I think that that shows that yes, there can be strong women that can find common ground and be friends and help each other excel and help each other move forward. Wait, wait, are you saying that women are people too? <laughs> wow! And Hollywood is recognizing it too. FTE I mean, works. I, you know, I, I, gotta, I gotta tell you, I don't know if it's Hollywood like blanket statement. I think it's mostly Star Trek, so let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> William has the shades back on. Danger, you've been quiet. Yeah, no, I, I, I said my piece there at the beginning where I just that mother-in-law look thing but uh yeah no i agree with you guys after that um they that that was just a brief moment and then uh they worked really well together um i wish uh, the same were true for endoye um but yeah I've got... oh, with her character. oh my god <sighs> just don't get me started on that she oh, is William? So William? do not look so shocked. I did not like her since I laid the eyes on her in season three. I'm sorry. Like, I was like, uh uh, who are you? Did, did she just cut me off? I'm sorry. I don't respond well to being cut off when I'm on the, when I'm on the con with somebody. You don't do that. <laughs> I, if I come home to earth and you cut me off and I'm human, I'm going to cuss your ass out. I'm going to cuss your mom out for how she raised you. And I like, I'm, let me shut up. Yeah, it's just rude. Go on, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, her lack of home training, notwithstanding. <laughs> like, I, I do like that Endoye, however, has had um, very real character consistency. Like, what she's trying to do with, you know, with Turka and with all of this whole situation that we see in this episode um, is very consistent with exactly who she's been. Good, good. I mean, I love that her character makes me hate her. That's a good thing. That are you, are you having? Are you having like Ty win moments here? Yes, yes, like, yes. yes. No, we love her. Right, we love her. I mean, yes, Any episode absolutely. she was on, we love. Like absolutely, Louise Fletcher was amazing. Was absolutely amazing. And then of course, came, and and she came to Deep Space Nine off of. Uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest as Nurse Ratchet. So, like, yeah, no. Ratchet ass. But, uh, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying. That's a thing that just came out of his mouth, ladies and gentlemen. I, I said what I, I said. I said what I said. Like, we know. Uh, but, we know. But, it's on the internet now, and the internet is forever. You know, fine. Like, like, Endoya, she, okay. So, I really, I remember seeing her for the first time in season three. And I already didn't like her. Now, the reason I kept that to myself was because I didn't think I'd see her again. Well, now that we see her, is we it got because she was representing though. Earth and she wasn't she, she she wasn't representing the part of Earth that you had become accustomed to? Is that why? You don't have to be part of the Federation to be a nice person. Right. She was, she, was, she, was, she was protecting her home world. You can protect your home world without right. being a douche. There well, is a way to do it. Head of I don't know. Security, I don't know. A random shit rolls up. Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel. Girl, I mean, no. again, again, like 31, 32. 
and they could have scanned that ship for humans and would have been like, oh, humans that are warp capable. Let's see what they're about. Instead of just literally cutting Michael Burnham off halfway through the conversation and sending her halfway past back across the way to the Gamma Quadrant. And, and like, they had, a, they had a planetary defense system. I don't care if they got a, 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 a Tony Stark shield around the planet. That, that's beside the point. Like, no, I'm just saying she had no she had no reason to be an asshole. The planet was protected. She could have gone up and said, okay, okay look, you're right, gonna... you're right. Exactly my point. If right? you felt so confident that the Federation screwed things up and you got a big suit of armor around the planet like Tony Stark wanted after all. So so look, if, if you really pay attention to her character, her entire character is operating out of fear. Everything she, she does is she's operating out of fear. And so that's her motivation. So one of the things that, that my husband says all the time is that um, when the only tool you have is a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. And that's and I think that's really where she is, is that she is like her whole purpose for being is to protect Earth and to protect Earth's interests. Burnham shows her basically like a better way um, one time and they start working on it. But it would be a huge about face if she were suddenly, I mean, because the DMA is exactly the sort of threat that preys on, that would prey on her terror. Mm -hmm. This is exactly the sort of thing that, you know, she was commissioned to deal with. And so because she's commissioned to deal with it in this very militaristic posture, that's what she knows how to do, y'all. Like, I mean, her, her hammer in this case is like nuclear weapons or what have you, and her nail is literally everything else. So I, I agree that I agree that with everything you all are saying around her characterization, it all fits from season three to season four to where we are now. It all fits together. My issue of, and I keep asking, what is going on with her character? because it doesn't fit with her being a representative or an ambassador or a diplomat. And it, it, it doesn't, like, how did she get that job? So look, so so some things of state under George W. Bush. Some, some things, <laughs> some right? things you've got I to did, remember. And I gotta tell you, Endoya would have been my ambassador. And I would have put, I would have Some things you gotta remember. Some things you gotta remember. Starfleet was was located on Earth. Federation was located on Earth. So yeah. Earth was being bombarded left and right. And whatever that species was, what was the name of that species they found out was really um humans. I can't remember I the name remember. of the species. Uh, yeah, they were from Tri they, were, they were from Titan. So like whatever. Yeah. It was attack on it was attack from Titan instead of attack on Titan. They, they, they should have been <laughs> knew they were human. Well, her point was she couldn't she couldn't trust, right? She she, she couldn't trust the she couldn't trust who who they were, meaning Burnham, Discovery. She couldn't trust them because they had been burned so many different times in so many different ways. So all they really knew was we've got to protect ourselves and we can't rely upon the Federation. We can't rely upon Star. You know, Star you know and I and I get that. I get that. But you can have a decency. You don't have to be a jerk about it. Right. And she was a jerk in that season three when we first met her and they came to Earth. She was a jerk. It's like and I can see why Titan uh, decided, screw it. 
we're going to be assholes right back and let's start this war because uh, faced with somebody like that, I mean, how do you how do you deal with them? It's just military leaders are jerks. <laughs> yes, we see but, now, right? But again, <laughs> how should get that job? <laughs> my guess is this my guess is this is that she ends up with the job because she has i mean it's not even necessarily that she's a diplomat doesn't she isn't she actually there in the capacity of as a head of state yeah she does have a political position of power uh, on yeah her, like temporary um, Temporary. She's and not also, be... she at so this point she has the most experience. What do you say? Mike? Working, she has the most experience working with um, non-Terran peoples because they've been so insular. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess I don't remember. It, maybe this is just something I'm glazing over because you know we had that whole mid-season break, but. I don't remember them saying that she was like the president of Earth. Or... No, she she's not. She's just she's general. She's she just. She, I know she's in a political, but it's a political like appointee position. So so we just yes. got people out here at president of Earth making bad uh, bad decisions. Okay, Bush presidency all over again. Got it. That's I feel great. like I feel like tie what the writers made. Tie in made. <laughs> I feel like what the writers. I believe the writers... I may have said this. I believe this came out of my mouth. I feel like that what the writers did, they said, we love this actress, let's bring her back, but don't, sh but, 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 but show no growth. Like, <laughs> some characters, th that's what maybe, some characters are for. And we, hey, we, and, we still got some episodes left, y'all. Like, we still got some episodes left. We might actually see some growth. So, and, fingers crossed. She can't go, do and no growth. Michael, she has to go to the brig. Yo, Michael had, oh, they don't know, though. They don't know yet. They no. don't know yet. No, they Michael had a great question. But it's just kind of the tip of the iceberg, Michael. And you said you want to know how she got that job. I want to know how she freaking got the override codes for the plasma manifold. She put it in like she from a candy store. She's not even, they're not even Federation members. Uh -oh. How did she get those codes? Okay, thank you. Thank you for that. Because what the actual yes insert word here that was a plot hole that oh was she put it in like a pin number on friday payday like like she just <laughs> she did it like she was like like a fat kid at a candy store on the first and yes. 15th like yeah. she, she 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 just, just pulls she up just, the screen release them and her override code bing 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 I want nothing. no no yes. somebody somebody had that crap on like had that shit on a post-it note and she literally like, looked it up before <laughs> like that's what happened because apparently nobody in discovery has any clue about computer security Yo, so much about this episode was crazy. Just the fact that uh, that Reno's character was off the ship for as long as she was. And like, nobody I, I didn't know. Yeah. Well, well, Stamets notes. She okay, but yeah, but okay, what, and then, a notice and his problem chief, was he should have opened his mouth. She's the chief of engineering, right? And he said he said he was looking for her all day, but Pay he didn't her. tell no one. Ask Zora, where is she? So I go there. <laughs> I oh my God. But wait, right Zora, right she's been in the same spot for all yeah. these hours, hasn't moved. 
Yes. Not even to use the restroom. But but, you, oh, but, but but how do you not know that she, that Reno has been in one spot literally for twenty four hours? Let's just say Zora knows hours, and you have the capacity to have a gut feeling for the first time. I mean, God bless Stamets. Okay. It's entirely okay. possible that Stamets was still... It, he's still processing his humanity, guys. Like, I mean, you know... <laughs> it's, been, it, it's been a lot for him. Like, he's suddenly a dad. He's, you know, like, he's dealing with his resurrected spouse. Like, I mean, there's a lot about Stamets' emotional plate. And, you know, we know that he wasn't exactly the most self-aware of characters. You're talking about season two and season three. This is season four. Come on. (laughs) But if I may, so I I I find it less of a plot hole. I find it less of a plot hole for Jet to go missing than the codes. And here's why. Yes. Jet Reno is like super independent, super stay standoffish, super get away from me. I I can see them being like she's an where's Jet Reno? She's in engineering. Okay, she's probably in a Jeffrey's tube working on something. Just leave her alone. Don't bother her. Um, And I also think that... (laughs) I I really do. Because... I'm watching William. I'm watching William. Like, you also have to remember, she's only really been missing probably for a good four or five hours. And it may may take you for... It may take you four or five hours to work on, <laughs> it may take you four or five hours to work on an engineering problem. So I, 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 I don't think that 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 you told no one about. Wait, 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 hold on. As hold. the department head, because I'll say one thing: the like one of the things that we all have to recognize about wait, Jet Reno is that wait, woman wait, wait, is freakishly wait. confident. Wait. Marie. Exactly. So, and that's, so wait, so wait, if she just, wait, I got you, wait. But if she disappears for five hours, that makes more sense because she's like, I'm working on this. Y'all At work the beginning of the episode, we were told that they had about 13 hours. She was kidnapped prior to that point. Yeah. Which means By it happened the all the within episode, a day. It was long. It was longer than four or five yeah. hours. It so was, we're literally, it was, we're literally looking day. at her Probably missing shift. Yeah. I think it was point. more like a day. Yeah. Like we're looking. She's she, missing shifts at this point. She hasn't shown up. She hasn't like. I mean. And I, I defy you, I defy you to find any sort of militaristic organization that doesn't have an accountability check at the beginning of every freaking shift. I'll be honest with you. I can, I, I, I let the 24th century tricks have their way with only being able to take combat signals. I let I them really have their way. The but we are, but we are in the 32nd century. We should go with where Balana went with it with that bone marrow tr- um uh tr- transport when she when she locked uh, into uh, the uh, bone uh, tissue. Well, you cannot take you seriously. It was a mineral that you have picked uh, Thank you. So I'm just so I'm just saying, I'm just saying we are in the future. This should not be a topic of conversation. Like this should not even be a topic. How do you not notice? How do you not ask oh, questions? And if you really were looking for the bitch, you should have been asking everyone where she at. And okay, they should have been asking. And go and go away from Jerino for a second, because for me, what's really frustrating is the whole discussion of, that Burnham has about Tarina. Because I'm just kind of like, your Vulcan is like a thousand years in the past. Are you about to tell me that you do not think that there has been some sort of societal evolution so that maybe the cultural markers that you are familiar with don't matter anymore? Right. 
good point. That did not Very sit well point. with me because I'm like, wait a minute. We know that the Vulcans have had tremendous upheaval over the course of the last thousand years because they've had to absorb the Romulans. So you want to tell me that there's been no, like, there's been no change that Vulcan society has been stagnant? No. Right. Right. No. Hard pass, Michael. Hard pass. So, no, 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 no. I, I did not pick up on, I did not pick up on that, but I, I get your point listening to it now. I don't agree with you all on the Jeff Reno thing. I, I, I'm not, it's not a hill I'm willing to die on, so I'm going to shut up about it. But I don't necessarily He says, he says going on. I, I don't necessarily agree with you. But that's a good point on um, on the growth within. And I think that I think that was a there was a tweak they could have done. And she could have said, you know, um, from what I know or from my experience with um, the Vulcan culture, this is what it may be. And I think that would be saying like, hey, this is a hint at what might be going on or what you could possibly do. And right. kind of give um, Saru the opportunity to have a conversation and create a conversation with uh, um, Tarina. Tarina, thank you. Because I was going to about this. You're like, uh, Vulcan lady, her. Yes. Yeah. I was like going, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm struggling with the names today. Um, and so I think that that would have set up <laughs> it has been a hot minute. But it also, I think, that, I think that I think that, and this is just kind of like an overarching thing of what I'm seeing this season. There are a lot of subtle tweaks that would probably have taken like four seconds, five seconds, maybe even six seconds that they could have incorporated, and they didn't. And it makes it it feel this season just thus to this point, it makes it feel not sloppy, but it's just not as tight as I think it could be with the story time. with with the storytelling and with the overall connections connection. Like overall, I loved this episode because for after four seasons, we're finally starting to see the bridge crew, you know, like be a bridge crew. <laughs> right. Like, oh my no god, lie, they no have lie. lines. I was about to, and, I was about it's not to just, and it's not just magic a Woshkun. I still don't know their names. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, because if I if I if no, if I try to Man, describe, you know I, I know I know Woshkun and, and I know and I know Detmer. But I if I try to describe the others, I'm gonna sound racist as hell. So I I I, I just I, I can't like I, I, last week we literally had a whole conversation about how Lieutenant Nielsen, now commander maybe, is you know the white blonde chick on the bridge. <laughs> She's the white blonde chick because yes. I know Detmer, I know Awishikin. Who's the Asian motherfucker? Jen Reese. Reese. See how that sounds? See how that sounds? Like, Reese. Who? Reese. Remember, Reese could never hit anything during season one. He had well, no targeting. I'm skills. sorry. I'm sorry. There's there's only two Reese's I know: the Kyle Reese from Terminator and the Reese's I like to eat. That's that's the only Reese's I know. That, that's it. That's it. I, I I don't know what why is the Asian name Reese? Why? Why not? I ain't playing. So why does his race have anything to do? I told you, I told you, I'm gonna sound, I told you, I'm gonna sound racist when I try to describe it. I said it. I said it. Y'all didn't want to hear me. Why is Burnham's name Michael? Not anymore. Hell, I know. 
because 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 they put they passed gender norms about the 32nd century damn it okay so okay well last names surnames whatever i never said anything can, can about we, can, we, like, can we pull away from like whatever that's whatever that is going on in that section of the screen and can we talk about the communication now like we have 10 minutes guys let's talk a little yeah. bit about what the act the episode was actually about oh you're in, you're oh, in that I section of the screen it. so back to what i was talking about <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, Did I, anybody I do. think I, that I that, that whole communication thing with the the aliens uh remind you of uh Arrival, the movie? I haven't seen Arrival, but I but I like but I because it was I, the same thing with Arrival. You had these gigantic <laughs> aliens behind this smoky glass where you couldn't really see them and these weird communication methods that we're trying to learn how to talk to them. And it just, as I'm watching the whole thing, I'm thinking, Oh, somebody watched arrival before they wrote this, this particular section. But uh, I mean, you know, credit where credit is due. Um, and I've said this about Hoshi a lot um, because I think Hoshi Sato actually deserves far more credit than enterprise or any of fandom gives her because we're literally talking to uh, we're talking to a society that has nothing in common. There is no commonality here. Like we're not even in the same galaxy anymore. Right. Um, and so trying to come up with a way to convey ideas is one going to be extraordinarily difficult. And two, we're assuming that the ideas are going to be shared. Right. And there's no guarantee for that. And I really, really love that it's hard because I think I, I understand why the UT, the universal translator exists. I understand because we needed to have a way to communicate so that we could go on and have stories. But what I really love about this episode is that we're so in a, as part of trust. Trust is also part of communication. And so these these are linked concepts. No, and no. we have to be able to communicate in order to forge a connection, which is goes back to like the the season's overarching overarching theme. Um <clears throat> but y'all, it's hard. I mean, yeah. it it's hard in, you know, a marriage when the two of you are from ostensibly at least the same planet. <laughs> it's hard when you're trying to talk to you know people with generational differences it's i mean it's hard and so like it would only be orders of magnitude harder to talk to the society that looks like nothing we've ever seen before and i was here for that yeah i, I like that, that part communicates completely different i'm sorry I, michael I, agree. I i think that i think they did a beautiful job with the the communication part and making it complex and kind of like boiling down and getting, I think that that was actually done well. Um, one thing I have noticed um, that they consistently have done this season, like, do you, have you all noticed that like the title from the previous episode is like what is needed in the next episode? Like the Rosetta Stone this time was the lights yeah. and mm. Species 10C was the episode of this or the title of this episode, but we're probably actually going to see Species 10C in the next episode. Have you all okay. been like that has? Oh my God, I'm so ready. I am so, so ready. 
Yeah, and so Marie, you're so ready for what exactly? Because <laughs> I'm reading these comments. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anything. I mean, anything. Wilson Cruz won. Um, anything. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not even ashamed of that. Now I gotta go to Google. Wilson oh goodness gracious! It's its own sexual orientation at this point. Um, <laughs> But um, I'm so, I'm so, okay. So while I love the fact that we had this whole conversation about communication, I've been, the pacing of this back half of season four is killing me, y'all. I mean, I'm just like, how long is it going to take us to get to the aliens? We're on, we're on what? Like four episodes now? Honestly, you know, there's a part of me that thinks, uh, maybe 25% of this season was about <laughs> building um, a better understanding of the bridge crew, honestly, um, because they, they've taken some time, they've devoted some time to that. Um, they also wanted, I think, to slow things down. You notice um, we're at least going to, is this, we have two more episodes after this? Am I correct? I think we have, I, think I thought we have one. Oh, just one? I thought it was 14 episodes. Is it 13? And and so I thought it was going to be right. 14. So in other words, they've added one from last season, right? So I think they wanted to slow it down on purpose. But to what Yeah, end? but like they're slowing it down to what for purposes of character development. And then there's deciding to, to move at a glacial pace. I'm not. I mean, look, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to <laughs> help the situation. Like he's trying to get he's trying to get that Paramount Plus sponsorship. Get out of his way, Marie. <laughs> Maya culpa, Maya culpa. If you want yeah. to sponsor us, Paramount, we're here for you. Um, also, Wilson Cruz, if you want to come on our show, that'd be great. Um, you can rant as much as you do on Twitter. It is an open space. <laughs> trust me, trust me. We can have a we can have a screaming match to see who can do it the worst. Like you know, I'm here for it. Like, and then you know, and I'll make a whole Noah's Ark, a uh, 15 minute Noah's Ark section. We'll make yes. you feel right at home. Right at home, and I'll even keep I'll even keep Jermaine in check. I promise you. Like, it looks like there's the just problem. one more episode. <laughs> I think we're I think we're losing danger. I think we're losing danger. Just one more episode. <laughs> so we've got one more. We've got one more episode, and we have so many irons in the fire. Like this, the, I mean, and and Discovery does this right, like because you know we'll get to this. We'll have this drag section in the middle, and then all of a sudden we're gonna have to go like a frenetic pace at the very end, and you're just kind of like trying to keep track of everything, and you're just like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And I'm I, and I really think that you know <laughs> we know that Paramount is capable of pacing things because Prodigy has been beautifully done. Um, as far as pacing goes. I know, I know, I'm with you on this, Michael. I am with you on this because Prodigy I owe you all uh, three episodes of what if breaking down season uh the first part of season one of Prodigy but I'm back I have some time again I had a slight explode a nuclear warhead went off at work but you know we're back <laughs> don't worry maybe, maybe, maybe in well, light of current events don't make that joke yeah this is I'll, true I was I was gonna say yeah you know might be too soon and how has uh, sorry to just jump in with this 
out of the blue. But how has Book still not locked down the controls of his ship? I, I said it. I said it. I did. I told you it wasn't going to happen. I said it. I said it. Frustrating. Maurice specifically said it on Book's part. I said it on Tarka's part that Tarka is not done. And he's put in more security measures on the ship than just a big patch of glue um, sticking itself to another <laughs> ship. Like, right. like so, the, you know, Tarka, he's he's a madman. He's, yeah. I really he's, feel like we need to get, like, we need to sit them all down and be like, so basic OPSEC. <laughs> right. Um, so also, here's we need to have better passwords, hmm. yeah. for example. Um, yeah, the one, two, three, four, five for the plasma vent right it's just it's just terrible although i mean although keeping it, up it with your offices hard, right like they did that right. with uh, when he repeated leave jet alone like he repeated and, and and when did jet become like a uh sleight of hand master with this secret calm thing she has up her sleeve she always finds tarka She's... under a table he comes out takes her hostage when did she have a chance to grab up. I do know that's all that matters. I actually, remember I actually remember her uh doing something. They didn't really show it, but um, she she kind of she moved this way. I do remember that. Um, look for that. I mean, we're at this point. It's not. It's Deus Ex. It, it's Deus Ex Reno. So let like let's just it, it embrace our our grumpy overlord. <laughs> a minor thing that I saw today, which I had never seen in Star Trek ever, 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 and 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 if you all have, please correct me. But we saw a tattoo on her finger that I had never seen in a Star tattoo. Trek. It was it, it looked like a ring, but it's really a, a tattoo. I didn't isn't that, that isn't that actual like Tig's actual thing? Like for her, I, th I think it is, but I've never seen a tattoo on Star Trek. On any, I mean, you mean Chakotay had a tattoo on his eye. No, I mean that wasn't real. I'm talking about like a oh. real a person's real tattoo. That's what I mean. Oh, okay. um, yeah, no, I don't think he makes a made a mistake. You think so? Could have. It happens. You don't see too many scantily clad Federation officers, though. I mean, most of their they're in you know full shirt uniforms and dress slacks and. Were you no. there for the original series? <laughs> well, I'm saying now. I mean, back, back, in, back in the 60s, there wasn't a lot of ta tattooing. wasn't as popular as it is today. It, it, it didn't even right? become popular until the 90s. Yeah. So, I mean, now since the advent of modern Trek, when tattoos are more popular, you just don't see that much bare skin. So, Except on a, the occasional alien, and that's easy to cover up. True. So are, do we get to make predictions for the, I mean, we're, we're yeah. just about to the end. Can we make predictions for the next episode? I, we're a minute. Go ahead on. I'm kind of amazed that Jermaine's not twitching yet. <laughs> <laughs> the, the conversation has been, has been cool. So I'm okay. <laughs> oh, he gave us I his e, blessing. I e y'all have all stayed in order. Cause Jermaine will put us out of here. If we get it too out of order. <laughs> Order, order, order. Right. Right. So yeah, go with your predictions. Your predictions. And, I'm excited. Uh, Let's hear um, that. Oh, I, I have to go first. I want to, well, I don't want to go first now. I just want to. No, 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 no,
You know, I'm going back to uh, one of the things we talked about uh, in part one of this season when we were talking about the crew has gotten too big and they they need to make cuts. Um, and it really hurt Marie when I said this, but I said they have to kill Book. And I think we need to put the scroll back up. I think we need to put the scroll back up, but... To Marie's point around suicide, um, I really saw uh, my 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 thought is that there's going to have to be some. They're going to have to kill Tarka, or they're going to have. They're either going to have to like kill Tarka, or he's going to have to be taken control of, and someone's going to have to sacrifice themselves to undo what Tarka did. And At this I point, think- I am really comfortable yeeting him into another universe. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, Did she actually say yeet? <laughs> when I saw it, I didn't think of it in the perspective of, I really didn't think of it in the perspective of like him wanting to commit suicide, but I thought about it in the perspective of him wanting to kind of make amends and be at rest and be with his people. And I said to myself, he is going to have to be, he's going to have to sacrifice or going to sacrifice himself to undo what Tarka did. And so that we can make peace with 10C and we can like have some tie and he, they're going to get you get rid of him so that he can, they can start trimming down the crew. Cause they're, they're going to, they're also going to have to ship off a bunch of people. They're going to have to make some new people, captains, first officers on other ships. The crew is just too big and you can't really get to know them like we want to know them, and I think they finally realized that. Mm-hmm. So it's a sad prediction, it. but I think there are going to be a lot of promotions and a really cute funeral. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about if all anybody. That. I think, if anybody I think you're bagpipes, I'm yeah. out. I'm just out. I agree with you, Michael. I think Tarka is definitely going to get killed i think i think in my mind what's going to happen is that yeah book is going to try to sacrifice himself to make amends for what he's done but i think somehow at the last minute burnham's going to save him yeah i don't think i don't think book is going to die at all yeah i I, I really think building on what danger's saying is again like if we are looking at the over like I, because I'm I'm positive that the overarching theme has been communicate like creating community and reaching across and bringing people back. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think that that's what's going to happen with book is that um, book's going to work through. He's going to be at one of these watershed moments. He's going to have to make a, a choice. He's going to choose against Tarka, and I think you know they're going to reach out and try to communicate and i think I, and i would not be surprised because um i think danger was this you um who thought that we were going to see book communicating directly with 10c yeah. I, I really think that, I think that, that was going to be part of it yeah i figured that that was going to be the thing where somehow the book would be able to share the emotion that he experienced from losing quajon with the 10c that would say they would realize, oh my God, what have we done? Kind of a thing. And that would right. And, and, and we know they communicate human. via emotion. So like he's right. literally an empath. Yeah. Yeah. So that might be that might be there. But I, you know, with with I think the clue is that you've got uh Jet Reno on the ship with book. And I think somehow the two of them are going to be able to stop Tarka 
And I don't know that Tarka will survive it. Yeet probably. Tarka 2022. Yeah, I think probably Tarka is going to go down fighting. Uh, but I think Reno and Book will be fine. I think Tarka, I could see, I could see a situation where Jet Reno and Tarka have a science off. And I say that because they have, this season, I've seen more um, of the science dialogue in the in the the, the trek we love that that nerdy science um, yeah. and figure. I can see them having a science off and Jet getting the upper hand, but I will take three to one odds. I'll bet five, but three to one odds that uh, book is gonna die. All right. Anybody want to take right. that bet? No. Um, no, but, but I would 150% so, so watch an entire episode of Jet Reno wiping the floor with Ruan Tarka. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. 150% watch that. Um, that would be amazing rage science porn. <laughs> Which is why right. I think they're not going to waste time because we've only got one more episode left, yo. So, like, yeah, they're right. not going to waste that kind of time with the science off because. We're not going to have, they've got so much they've got to cover. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be a full on science off like data going against, um, I forget this, I can't remember the species, but the The binars. Yes. It's not going to be that, but they're going to have a good science off. Like at least a 45 second, maybe even a minute science off. They're going to, they have to do it because remember she was able to look at his equations and see his equations and understand them. So that was the perfect setup for the science off. That was a justification to say like, I would would watch, I would watch a full hour of that guys. Like I would, and right there, Michael and wine and it would be amazing. And right there, Michael, you, you, you explained the problem with having holographic screens everybody can see you enter your password no <laughs> wonder general and doye got the plasma released there it goes right? there it goes guys we went from predictions to high school science fairs um and with that we didn't hear your prediction stop trying to run away we didn't hear your prediction no we're at we're at we're at one hour and 10 minutes we're going to end right here we can we can continue to talk offline we can we can hold those predictions we can put them in the in the the ether i don't care um but but we're gonna end right here um thank you all for listening thank you all for coming checking us out liking subscribing um sharing commenting who is that? Who is that again? Willie Shelton. Willie Shelton, thank you so much. Hopefully, you're still watching. Um, come back. Come back. We come loved on. It. Please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so now I'm I'm trying to find this video, y'all. That awkward moment. That awkward that, that awkward moment when you say bye and you still see each other. Bye.